Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We are back with a Beyond the News episode. That's right. It was seven episodes ago that we did the last one, and seven episodes later, we are back doing Beyond the News. Can you believe it went that fast? I mean, my God, seven weeks is like seven days these days. And if you don't know, every seven episodes, or if you just want to hear it again, (laughs) every seven episodes, we take a break from our interviews and lectures and cover Earth's newsfeed. We find the strange, the unusual, the wild, the weird, the wacky, the everything, the psychedelic, the futuristic, all of it coming from mainstream media sources. Now, it's the fringe of the mainstream, of course. They take these articles, they hide them, they stuff them, but maybe not so much in the case of UFOs these days. But usually, they're not just out in the open, these stories that we bring to the light in these Beyond the News episodes. So, welcome. Thank you for joining us. There's been a lot of developments actually in the last seven weeks. So we're going to talk about all these things. It's going to be incredible, but I just want to introduce my guest co-host who is with us right now as usual with our lecture episodes and beyond the news episodes. It's Bryn Anderson of Vital Force Herbs. Hello, Bryn. Hi, Jake. How are you? Beyond the news. This is what we do. We go beyond the news, even though technically it's news. So it's just like infinite, I guess, beyond the news, but yet it's omnipresence. <laughs> it's just news. What do you think? You always find some really weird ones, especially towards the end there. So curious what you found this time. Oh, the focus this week, people. It seems as UFOs, that's what we're covering a lot in this episode, but there's other things as well. Yes, we do find incredible stories because we want to educate you. If we're covering the news, we want you to have the news that's going to actually inform you of something, not just junk food drivel. You know what I mean? Mainstream news. But again, this is mainstream news, but what is put forth in the daily public awareness. How about that? That's, that's a good little like box to put. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Bryn. Absolutely. But before we get to our articles this week, I need you to do something for me. Go to patreon.com slash midnight on earth. That is our Patreon page. There are tiers of support. If you feel so inclined, go there, support me, support this podcast, help it grow more, contribute to getting the information and the energy that's encoded in this podcast out to more people. 
I need your help. We can all help each other. We're helping each other all the time. So if you are interested, yes, go to patreon.com slash midnight on earth. Very simple thing. Then because you're so tech savvy, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcast, there's a button. I guarantee it. There's a button that says follow like they like to put buttons on these sites, these podcast player sites, click that button. So you know exactly what is going on in real time. You get a notification to that device. If you're listening in the future from where I am right now in the year 2023, you're probably getting it via Neuralink or your Apple contact lens with augmented reality features. I don't know, but that's how you get it in 2023. You get a notification on your device. And most importantly, please tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these types of podcasts. You know these people, they're your friends, they're your coworkers. Bring them here, probably family and other things too. Midnightsonearth.com. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Beyond the news. I actually really enjoy these episodes. It's like a seven-week vacation cycle. It's like every seven weeks I get to have an episode where we just get to have extreme fun. Now, we're always having fun. And you should always be having fun. But these episodes do give me the opportunity with Bryn, of course, to kick back, relax, and take a peek at the human experience. My God. So here we go. I guess we should just go ahead and get started. And we're going to go right into UFOs. So here we go. This is from foxnews.com. Headline. UFO legislation to usher in new age of transparency. Quote, long past time. <laughs> and here's the article. New legislation to declassify and release UFO-related records could start a new age of transparency about extraterrestrial matters. The Senate approved the unidentified anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act, which says, quote, all federal government records concerning unidentified anomalous phenomena should carry a presumption of immediate disclosure. It's unknown how many of these records exist, but the legislation says credible evidence and testimony indicates documents have not been declassified or subject to mandatory declassification review under the Freedom of Information Act. Legislative action, quote, is necessary to restore proper oversight over UAP records, quote, that have been otherwise lacking, and to further scientific and technological research. The bipartisan legislation, which the Senate passed on Friday, was modeled after the President John F. Kennedy 
Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992 and will create a UAP records collection as well as an independent UAP records review board. The review board will have 72 hours to either release the documents or provide a reason to keep them classified. I wonder what all the reasons for keeping them classified they'll say are. (laughs) National security. That's usually (laughs) the one they go to. Uh, Not this one. Maybe the next one. Mm, Interesting. So, wow. It passed. UAP Disclosure Act. So, here we go. It could just be like Project Blue Book in the 60s. It could just be kind of a smoke and mirrors government cover story. But that's the American government. Here's what's happening in Japan. This is from japannews.yomiyuri.co.jp. And here is the headline. Japan Group releases images of likely UFOs. Oh, wow. Okay, here we go. Look at those pictures. They look like legitimate UFOs. Here's the article. International UFO Lab, an organization dedicated to the investigation of unidentified flying objects has released six photographs and videos that the group believes are highly likely to depict real UFOs. Oh, the Fukushima city-based organization made the announcement at UFO Foriacon Hall in Fukushima on Saturday or World UFO Day. June 24th is said to be the day when a UFO was first witnessed in the United States. Interesting. I didn't know that. UFO day. The group said it had examined a total of 494 reports it received from both people in Japan and abroad over the past year. However, most of the images appeared to be of drones, birds, reflections of lights, airplanes, and insects, and were not considered UFOs, the group said. It concluded that six images of round and triangular flying objects captured in Kobe, Fukushima, and elsewhere were highly likely to be UFOs. Quote, it may be possible to create these images with computer graphics, but if they're real UFOs, aliens may be on board, said Takaharu Mikami, the head of International UFO Lab and chief editor of the monthly occult magazine, Moo. Quote, it's true that there are uncharted phenomena in the world. I hope children who have seen these images will solve the mystery in the future. Mikami said, that is the thing. Yes, our children will be living with this in a very more normalized way than we are. It's just happening in stages. The pictures from Japan are clearly UFO photos. It's happening in Japan. It's happening all over the world. Also in Italy. (laughs) Keeps going. Here's popularmechanics.com headline. A researcher says the first UFO really crashed in Italy in 1933. And he has evidence. Whoa, ho, ho. And oh my God, pizza. Did it come from aliens? No, it was around before. They did something to it to make the world addicted to it. I know I'm addicted to pizza. Just putting it out there. Okay, here's the article. Is Italy, not Roswell, New Mexico, the actual site of the first UFO crash on Earth? An Italian researcher claims to have 
proof that backs up recent allegations that a crashed UFO was recovered in Italy in 1933. It adds to a growing interest in unidentified anomalous phenomena that now includes elected officials and a NASA panel, even in the face of broad scientific skepticism. Oh, whatever broad scientific skepticism, just eat it. In an interview published by the Daily Mail, Italian ufologist Roberto Pinotti says that fascist dictator Benito Mussolini got his hands on a flying saucer after it crashed on June 13th, 1933. But the alien craft, Panati said, was captured by American forces at the end of World War II and sent to the U.S. Now, that doesn't mean that the technology was not reversed, engineered, and then shared with the Nazis, which could explain things like the Nazi bell, the UFO craft they had designed just to search and check it out. Oh, but it keeps going. Look, I'm telling you people, UFOs are pushing up into human consciousness even more. There's something going on. They want us to know they're out there. We're activating ourselves. We're expanding our awareness. And I think we're getting to the point where we can process the fact that we're not alone in the universe in a functional way. We're almost there. This is from Indy100.com. And here is the headline. UFO hunter claims a giant spacecraft is being hidden under a major landmark. Here's the article. A UFO hunter claims there is a huge spaceship hidden beneath one of the world's major landmarks because it is too big to move. Ross Coulthard, an investigative journalist and UFO expert, said a non-human spacecraft is being stashed beneath a purpose-built structure, though he won't tell us where it is. <laughs> okay. Speaking in an interview, he said, some of these objects are not capable of being moved because they're too bloody big. Too bloody big. And uh, Here, I'm just going to go into my English accent as I read his quotes here. I know exactly where it is. I thought it was books when I heard it too. Okay, I'm going to go back to Jake now. Colt Hart was previously a reporter on the news and current affairs program 60 minutes on channel nine in Australia and has since gone on to write a number of books, including in plain sight, an investigation into UFOs and impossible science. I was going to say, don't they usually hide things in plain sight? It's the best place. I watched a movie or a television show where in the movie, the Seattle space needle, help me people email me tell me what movie it was where the space needle was actually covering for the fact that the top of the space needle was a spaceship and then it just like took off one day like they were like exiting earth i don't know why trivia help me understand what that is (laughs) as we go to the next article abcnews.go.com headline extraterrestrial technical supremacy is a top concern pentagon ufo investigator says whoa a lot of ufo stuff here's the article the science and military intelligence officer leading the pentagon's task force for unidentified anomalous phenomena 
which the public calls UFOs, says being caught off guard by intelligent or extraterrestrial technical supremacy remains a top concern as investigators analyze more than 800 cases of mysterious sightings reported by U.S. military personnel dating back decades. Here's a quote. Data and science has to guide where you go and we will follow the data. Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick said last month in an exclusive first interview after his appointment to the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO. Congress established the office last year to coordinate efforts across federal agencies to, quote, detect, identify, and attribute mysterious objects of interest in the air in outer space and underwater with special focus on mitigating potential threats to military operations and national security. Here's another quote. The most common misconception is that the possible phenomena are all the same thing and they're all extraterrestrial and neither of those are true. Kirkpatrick said, we have to go through the rigor of taking each one, matching it against our own known objects and catalogs, and then reviewing that peer reviewing that and making sure that everybody's in agreement. He said of the process, which has included establishing a government wide data collection initiative. Very strange. Okay. Here's a little bit more. The AARO has looked into some high profile UAP sightings highlighted in congressional hearings, including a 2019 video recording taken by Navy sailors of glowing triangles floating above them. I saw that one, the flying pyramid shifts. Yeah, absolutely mind blowing. So, okay. So we should make sure that, uh, (laughs) man, that we have the most guns in space, that we have the best weaponized technology. Bryn, what do you think about that? Uh, Yeah, it looks like they're concerned about alien technology being better or more evolved than ours that's a top security concern i uh, would say for them i guess so (laughs) you know stephen hawking's the famous doctor who passed away the famous scientist he was worried that of course worry is fear but he was concerned that a more advanced culture coming into contact with a less advanced culture technologically has always led to some form of domination by the more technologically advanced culture. Now, just because that happened, I don't agree with Dr. Hawking. It's a human imprint. He's imprinting that on every type of being in the universe, but still they're a little worried. They're wondering if they're going to attack it when they want to be sure. What is this independence day? It's not going to happen. Brian, what do you think? I'm feeling like it's more likely that human governments would decide to attack first and then ensue some sort of situation, not the other way around, but who knows? You know, it's, yeah, right. Every science fiction novel, every movie, there's always the government pulling the trigger first for the most part, but let's go on to the next one. Come on. Here we go. Dailymail.co.uk headline white house national security chief says UFOs are having an impact on our training ranges and need to be treated as a legitimate issue. Okay. Impact on training ranges, huh? 
Here's the article. UFOs are already having an impact on combat training for America's fighter pilots, a top national security official has warned. Some of these phenomena, we know, have already had an impact on our training ranges. According to John Kirby, the National Security Council's coordinator for strategic communications under President Biden. The comments suggest a new approach from the White House, whose press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, coyly dismissed questions about the F-22 stealth Raptor jets that shot down three UFOs last February by saying, I love E.T. the movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look over there. <laughs> Typical uh, political answer. Kirby, a retired rear admiral in the U.S. Navy, said that the unanswered questions surrounding UFOs must now be treated as a legitimate issue. In a White House briefing Monday, he told reporters, when pilots are out trying to do training in the air and they see these things, they're not sure what they are and it can have an impact on their ability to perfect their skills. Interesting angle. While Admiral Kirby emphasized that the Pentagon is taking the UFO issue seriously, he declined to answer questions on individual whistleblowers, specifically retired senior intelligence officer David Grush, whose explosive UFO claims have sparked open congressional oversight hearings set for July 26 next week. Right, we talked about that last time. Incredible. Okay, so... Now it's just getting to the point where it's like, well, they're blocking our training loop. There, uh, we, we have an air route that we use to train our pilots effectively, and they're blocking the routes. They're in the way. And now our pilots can't learn as fast and learn as well. That's our training area. Why are they there? Okay, very that, strange. That's one way to uh, make themselves known. <laughs> it's like, how can you, you know, they're, they're physically in the way, then wow, can't really say they're not there. And here's a little bit more about what we were just talking about, hearing that's coming up on July 26th. And if you don't know, there was a whistleblower recently that said that American governments and other governments, but specifically the American government, have UFO crash debris, alien bodies, and other things that go along with a UFO crash. But this did trigger some government awareness and an oversight committee was put together. And here's something adding to that. This is from newsnationnow.com. Headline, three witnesses unveiled for UFO hearing next week. Here's the article house oversight committee members leading the UAP whistleblower hearing unveiled the names of the whistleblowers testifying and shared a glimpse of what the public should expect during testimony week. Representative Tim Burkett of Tennessee confirmed Thursday that there will be three witnesses who will testify during next week's hearing. Ryan Graves, Americans for safe aerospace executive director David Fravor, a former commanding officer of the Black Aces Squadron with the U.S. Navy, and David Grush, a former National Reconnaissance Officer representative of the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Task Force, 
with the Department of Defense. Grush had told News Nation in an exclusive interview that the Pentagon is covering up proof of alien life. Graves had reported multiple UAP targets and warned the Pentagon these encounters are putting us at risk. Yes, we talked about that. Burkett said this year's hearing is going to be different from last year's where everyone who testified claimed the information sought was classified. With the three whistleblowers sharing their experiences, the American public will finally receive a resemblance of an answer. He said the committee has received a tremendous amount of pushback from other members of Congress, the intelligence community, and the Pentagon. Even NASA backed out on them. And here's a quote. This is ridiculous, folks. Either they do exist or they don't exist. Quote, this is ridiculous, folks. Either they do exist or they don't exist, Burkett said. They keep telling us they don't exist, but they block every opportunity for us to get a hold of the information to prove if they do exist. We are going to get to the bottom of it, whatever the truth may be. We are done with the cover-up. And Representative Moskowitz from Florida said the bipartisan effort to uncover UAP data is really about transparency from the U.S. government. Wow. Okay. Wow. So instead of leaking classified documents, they put these whistleblowers out there. And it's still coming from the government. They're having oversight committees. They're having White House press conferences about it but it's some weird loophole. I, wow. I thought 2020 was going to be the year of the aliens. So, you know, if it's three years late, Hey, that wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me if it was five years late, but it's coming. It's right about now. And here is another article on the UFO theme. And this is from independent.co.uk. And here is the headline. Why a Harvard professor thinks he may have found fragments of an alien spacecraft. Whoa. And this is Avi Loeb. He's back in the news. Here is the article. After spending years studying the night skies for signs of extraterrestrial life, Harvard University astrophysicist Avi Loeb believes he has found proof of their existence at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Professor Loeb has just completed a $1.5 million expedition searching for signs of a mysterious meteor dubbed IM-1 that crashed off the coast of Papua New Guinea in 2014 and is believed to have come from interstellar space. The 61-year-old told The Independent he oversaw a team of deep-sea explorers who found 50 tiny spherules or molten droplets using a magnetic sled that was dropped from the expedition vessel, the silver star two kilometers underneath the surface of the ocean. He believes the tiny objects about half a millimeter in size are most likely made from a steel titanium alloy that is much stronger than the iron found in regular meteors. Further testing was now required but Professor Lowe believes they either have interstellar origins or have been made by an advanced extraterrestrial civilization. Professor Loeb chaired Harvard's astronomy department from 2011 to 2020 
and now leads the university's Galileo Project, which is establishing open-source observatories across the world to search for signs of UFOs and interstellar objects. He has long courted controversy for his belief that aliens have visited Earth. Wow. So he's finding little spherical balls. You see this, Brent? It's just like a perfect little metal sphere. I do. It looks like an iridescent marble. And here's the thing. This is the stuff that I talked with author of Forbidden Archaeology, Michael Cremo, about. This could just be the remnants of the previous human civilization. Why does it have to be aliens? It's on the ocean floor. If there was a pole shift, various things happened in Earth's history, why is this aliens? Why can't it be the remnants of the ancient human civilizations that so many native cultures have talked about that stretches back millions and millions and millions of years. You know, that's an interesting point because I was thinking while you were reading the article that it was somewhat surprising that such a, a big mainstream university like Harvard would give million dollars in research grants to someone who has, you know, this questionable theory. But then if maybe that questionable theory was sort of to steer everyone away from the potential of it actually being human civilization Ooh. Ah, there's a whole theory bubbling here yeah that's a different perspective hiding the ancient history of humanity using ufos i don't know that's just like a weird <laughs> twist know. in the matrix but very interesting hey you never know okay so we're gonna segue away from ufos now but we have to have like one article that's like the bridge so this is popularmechanics.com Headline, a newly declassified CIA file loosely links JFK's assassination to UFOs. That's a lot of three-letter things. CIA, JFK, UFO. Here's the article. President Joe Biden has announced that he has completed his final certification of files to be released regarding John F. Kennedy's assassination, even though 4,684 documents are still kept secret in whole or in parts. Okay. <laughs> those ones aren't important. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't need to, you don't need to see those. The National Archives has already released thousands of confidential documents related to the November 1963 assassination of then-President Kennedy. The documents include information from the CIA, FBI, State Department, and other agencies on topics such as the assassin Lee Harvey Oswald, his contacts with Soviet and Cuban officials, anonymous tips and threats, and investigations into the shooting itself. One of the newly released documents revealed the name of the CIA official who intercepted Oswald's mail in the months before JFK's killing, Reuben Efron. Turns out Efron had a UFO encounter in 1955 when he was on a train journey through the Soviet Union with Senator Richard Russell, Democrat of Georgia, and an Army colonel. They all saw what a CIA report called two flying saucers, though skeptics later argued that they were Soviet aircraft. Russell was among the Warren Commission members who interviewed Marina Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald's wife, in 1964. Okay, and here's the UFO part. Some conspiracy theorists see a connection between Efron 
and the Kennedy assassination and wonder if he knew a lot more than he let on. They also hope that a bipartisan bill to declassify UFO records will reveal more about the government's knowledge and involvement in unidentified anomalous phenomena. How many times are we going to say that this episode? Wow. I about to say it 10 times fast right now. So essentially they're just hoping that in those records are some other information that could be related to UFOs. That's kind of a big stretch, but hey, you never know. Okay, moving on to something else. This is from CBS News. Here is the headline. Woman declared dead, knocks on coffin during her own wake in Ecuador. Quote, it gave us all a fright. That's a good segue (laughs) away from the UFO alien phenomenon. This is just human bodies in boxes in the earth. Here is the article. A 76-year-old woman who was declared dead at a hospital in Ecuador, astonished her relatives by knocking on her coffin during her wake, and the incident has prompted a government investigation into the hospital. Relatives left the coffin behind and rushed retired nurse Bella Montoya back to the hospital after the wake Friday in the central city of Babahoyo, son of Gilberto Barbera told the Associated Press. Gave us all a fright, Barbera said, adding that doctors have said his mother's situation remains dire. Ecuador's health ministry said that Montoya was in intensive care Monday at the Martin Icaza Hospital in Babahoyo while the ministry investigates doctors involved in her case. A technical committee has been formed to review how the hospital issues death certificates, the ministry said in a statement. Montoya initially had been admitted Friday at the hospital with a possible stroke and cardiopulmonary arrest. And when she did not respond to resuscitation, a doctor on duty declared her dead, the ministry said. Barbera said his mother was unconscious when she was brought to the emergency room and that a few hours later, a doctor informed him she was dead and handed over identity documents and a death certificate. The family then brought her to a funeral home and were holding awake later Friday when they started to hear strange sounds. There were about 20 of us there, she said. After about five hours of the wake, the coffin started to make sounds. My mom was wrapped in sheets and hitting the coffin. And when we approached, we could see that she was breathing heavily. Oh, my God. And it looks like they got her out. Oh, my God. Uh, Maybe they left her back in, right? No, I'm just kidding. They got around. She's still doing okay, but still a little under the weather. So let's just like hope she pulls through, right? Yeah, that's crazy. She didn't suffocate in there and then die. Uh, Not be dead, but die while she was in there. So, But then you wouldn't know. No, you wouldn't, which is even weirder. (laughs) Maybe that happens. I don't know. Okay, so this one is a little weirder. We're going weird now. This is all going to be weird and strange. Foxnews.com. Headline, Harvard Medical School morgue manager, several others charged for selling stolen human remains. You guys. Here's the article. FBI agents arrested six suspects who allegedly trafficked stolen human body parts, including remains from cadavers at Harvard Medical School. Speaking of Harvard. Goffstown, New Hampshire resident Cedric Lodge who worked as the morgue manager at Harvard Medical School, 
was arrested and indicted by a federal grand jury on Wednesday. His wife, Denise Lodge, was taken into custody as well, as along with Katrina McLean of Salem, Massachusetts. Three other suspects, Pennsylvania residents Joshua Taylor and Jeremy Polly, along with Minnesota resident Matthew Lampy, were also indicted for their alleged involvement in the trafficking. Lodge is accused of stealing organs and other parts of cadavers donated for medical research and education before they were to be cremated. Authorities allege he would sometimes take the stolen remains from Boston to his New Hampshire home between 2018 and 2022. Authorities said he and his wife, Denise Lodge, would then sell the remains. Oh, my God. Like, like on Craigslist? Like, where do you, like, where are these going? The indictment, which was obtained by Fox News, stated that the suspects allegedly discussed their activities on social media sites. Quote, at times... Lodge stole dissected portions of donated cadavers, including, for example, heads, brains, skin, bones, and other human remains, the indictment reads. Lodge is accused of letting McLean and Taylor visit the morgue, pick which body parts of cadavers they would purchase, and then remove them. Many of the remains were reportedly shipped through the U.S. Postal Service. (laughs) McLean, who allegedly sold the remains to buyers across the country, operated a business called Cat's Creepy Creations. Oh, dear. (laughs) In one graphic situation, McLean reportedly bought two dissected faces from Lodge for $600. Oh, that's dissected face, about $300. In another, she allegedly shipped human skin to Jeremy Polly so he could turn it into leather. The indictment states that Polly allegedly sent over $40,000 to Taylor via PayPal total of 37,355 was sent by Taylor to an account operated by Denise Lodge with memos, including statements like head number seven and brains. Oh my wow. God. <laughs> oh my God. That's... Uh, well, Harvard did say something about it. Okay. What'd they say? Harvard medical school addressed the incident in a statement titled and abhorrent betrayal they wrote an essay that's very harvard (laughs) this is what they said just real quick and this is the end of this one we are appalled to learn that something so disturbing could happen on our campus a community dedicated to healing and serving others the statement read the reported incidents are a betrayal of hms and most importantly each of the individuals who altruistically chose to will their bodies to HMS through the anatomical gift program to advance medical education and research. We are so sorry for the pain this news will cause for our anatomical donors, families, and loved ones. And Harvard pledges to engage with them during this deeply distressing time. The school added, oh my God brains how much a brains cost okay what do you think how much do brains cost Brent, take a guess if, if, if uh, uh face costs 300 two faces for six uh, maybe it's like four for one and two for six yeah i don't know that seems pretty discount so like the uh, dollar store of uh body parts or something i don't know what are people doing with these body parts people all over the country they said that bought these via paypal people 
PayPal. Forty thousand dollars, well, eighty thousand between the two oh of people God. on PayPal. Like, yeah, I want some creepy creations. And then the postal workers that are like, not What's even in knowing. this box or just yeah, passing it along. Very, very strange. Well, this is just like an interesting historical footnote. So I'm not going to really read the whole article, but the Unabomber died, which I thought was really interesting. He's such a trippy character in his whole story with the MK Ultra program. And so many other crazy synchronicities and wild shit that that guy had to deal with in his life. And he killed all of these people. Absolutely terrible person for doing that. But he died at 81. He's out. But the government like warped his brain. The American government just like fried that dude's brain. And then he went out and killed people. Well, I guess since he's going in the grave... You know, there's some more fodder for grave robbers, right? So this is dakotanewsnow.com. That was an interesting segue. Here is the headline, Grave Robbing and Looting Still Exists in South Dakota. And here's the article. When a loved one is laid to rest, the expectation is for the grave to remain untouched. For one group of South Dakotans, peace is not found at the burial site. It's almost as if we're not humans, said Don Marie Johnson, director of leadership and culture for the South Dakota After School Network. You could call it grave robbing too, said Flandreau tribal historian Gari kills a hundred. For hundreds of years, some have had a fascination with collecting from Native American graves, keeping skeletons to study and relics as trophies. And it's still happening, people. People are still, this isn't like a 20th century thing. This is still happening now. People are still robbing Native American graves. I was joking about somebody robbing the Unabomber's grave, but this is no joke, people. If you're out there thinking that you can do this, especially now in modern times, I'm not saying it was ever permitted, but people did have a different perspective hundreds of years ago, even 100 years ago. I'm not saying it was right. But people, come on, have respect. I know all of you listening have that respect, but I'm just putting it out there to the human collective consciousness. Humans, my fellow humans, let's have respect for the remains of Native Americans. (laughs) Not too much of a big thing to ask, I feel like. Not at all. It's pretty basic. Oh, this is like a weird transition, but why not? CNN.com. Headline, lab-grown meat is cleared for sale in the United States. Here we go, people. It's coming. (laughs) It's here. It's here. Article, cultivated meat, also known as lab-grown meat, has been cleared for sale in the United States. Upside Foods and Good Meat, two companies that will make what they call cultivated chicken said Wednesday that they have gotten approval from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to start producing their cell-based proteins. Good Meat, which is owned by plant-based egg substitute maker Eat Just, said that production is starting immediately. Cultivated or lab-grown meat is grown in a giant vat, much like what you'd find at a beer brewery. Wednesday's move follows a series of previous approvals which have paved the way for sales of cultivated meat in the U.S. Last week, Good Meat and Upside said they had received approval for labels for its product 
from the USDA. In March, Good said it had received a so-called no-questions letter from the FDA. That letter states that the administration is satisfied that the product is safe to sell in the United States. The FDA issued a similar letter to Upside Foods in November. The nascent cultivated meat sector is being overseen by both the USDA and the FDA. Good Meat, which has already been selling its products in Singapore, advertises its product as meat without slaughter, a more humane approach to eating meat. Well, that's cool, people. I guess. You're <laughs> I don't even know what to say about I don't that. know. I mean, first of all, it's not slaughter-free, as we've read in other articles, how they have to use fetal bovine fetuses in order to start the culture. So that's right. baby cows. So that's weird. And then I like how they use words like cultivated and cultured both of those words have that those meanings of like refined or you know purposefully picked out with taste and so that's uh interesting just psychology there and also cultivated like a mushroom i yes. think is what they're saying as well right but yeah interesting all very interesting i'll pass on that <laughs> Okay, here's another brief thing. I'm not going to go too much into this. But according to BBC.com, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg agree to hold a cage fight. Now, I think that they've already said that they're not going to do this. But for a minute there, between our Beyond the News episodes, it was going to happen. Is that like, I'm going to meet you by the flagpole at three o'clock? Like <laughs> They want to meet in a Vegas octagon or as our next article says from the Toronto sun, just 10 days after that, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg were offered Rome's Coliseum (laughs) as cage fight venue. So there you go. People in Italy, they had a chance. They could have fought in the Coliseum. It probably would have been the most watched human activity via computer, television, satellite, ever in human history, phone, all of that. There would have been 5 billion viewers or more. Just my take on that alternate reality situation that didn't happen. I'm imagining their advisors on both sides like, okay, now, so you shouldn't do this, and here's why, talking them down. (laughs) Would have been a funny conversation to hear as a fly on the wall. Well, supposedly Elon Musk's mom (laughs) was actually intervening and saying, don't do it. Yeah, it's usually the moms that have that kind of... Intuition? Yeah, it's All not right. a good idea. Well, is this next thing a good idea or not? This is from news.yahoo.com. Headline, Mexican mayor weds a reptile and couldn't be happier. Uh, okay. Here's the article. As onlookers clapped and danced, a mayor of a small southern Mexico town entered into holy matrimony with a female reptile in a traditional rite to bring good fortune to his people. Okay, so it wasn't That's like... a little uh, different, yeah. Okay, I was a little worried for a second there. There's a lot of weird stuff going on on good old planet Earth these days. So I wasn't surprised if it was an actual love-based marriage. Wait a minute. Hold on, let's read more. Victor Hugo Sosa, mayor of San Pedro, Guamalula, a town of indigenous Chantal people in the Tehuantepec Isthmus of Mexico, 
took as his betrothed a reptile named Alicia Adriana, reenacting an ancient ancestral ritual. The reptile is a caiman, an alligator-like marsh dweller endemic to Mexico and Central America. Sosa swore to be true to what local lore calls the princess girl. Okay. And here's the quote. I accept responsibility because we love each other. That is what is important. You can't have a marriage without love. I yield to marriage with the princess girl. Sosa said during the ritual. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, good luck. Uh, you know, I'm happy for you. Uh, maybe there's more going on there than we realized. And now we talked about this last Beyond the News. The millionaire tech executive who was using his own son's blood to keep himself young. This is an update on that. And this is from businessinsider.com. This could be total BS, but here we go. Headline, the 45-year-old millionaire tech exec who's trying to age backward says he won't get any more blood plasma transfusion from his teenage son because there were no benefits detected. Yeah, it wasn't the bad press or anyone thinking <laughs> you're like a satanic vampire. It was, it was that. And here's the article. A multimillionaire tech founder who's trying to reverse his aging process says he stopped receiving blood infusions from younger people, including his son. Brian Johnson tweeted last week that he was discontinuing young plasma exchanges after seeing that it didn't yield any benefits. Quote, evaluated biomarkers from biofluids, devices, and imaging, no benefits detected, Johnson wrote. Young plasma exchange may be beneficial for biologically older populations or certain conditions does not, in my case, stack benefit on top of my existing interventions. Alternative methods of plasma exchange or young plasma fractions hold promise. The 45-year-old said he'd received a one-liter donation of young plasma once a month for six months one came from his 17-year-old son, Talmadge. Johnson also said he gave some of his plasma to his father, Richard, who is in his 70s. But those results were still pending. All the blood, people. One liter. We talked about this last time. One guy is using one liter every time. And there's 1,000 people, 10,000 people, 100,000 people that want a liter that's 100,000 liters blood a day or a session at least. Where are they getting all this blood? I'll let you speculate on that. As we move into something weird, right? This is what we cover. <laughs> Wait, weren't you just at weird? <laughs> <laughs> Took a left at weird on right on weird. This is from SouthChinaMorningPost.com. Here is the headline. Stone me. Suckable stir fried pebbles sold as street food in China leave weird taste in mouth of astonished social media observers. Okay, so here's the thing. It's like this street food. It's like a snack that you don't eat. It's like gum or, or like something you suck on. It's just flavored rocks. People buy it and they eat it. It's very strange. Okay. Mainland social media has been rocked by the discovery that stir-fried pimples are being sold at a food stall at a night market in China. 
a June 4th video clip that has attracted 4 million views on Douyin shows a vendor in the central Chinese province of Hunan stir-frying small river rocks with chili, garlic, purple perilla, and rosemary before selling them for 16 won a dish, which is about $2.30 US. Very strange earth stuff, right? You want to know some more earth stuff and food? Why not? Let's keep the streak alive. WHIO.com. Headline, Japanese Steakhouse Closes Weeks After Meth Found in Soy Sauce. <laughs> now, I knew that place was awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, I wondered why I cleaned my whole house after I oh had that stir fry. Oh, my God. I just wanted more and more and more. And Here's the article. The owners of a Japanese steakhouse on Florida's Panhandle announced on Friday that the restaurant is closing Weeks after an investigation determined that some soy sauce had been contaminated with methamphetamine. How, people? That's like a meth-infused decision. Let's get more customers by putting meth or in the food. Or maybe someone was trying to um, smuggle meth into the country by putting it in soy sauce, and they like mm. lost a lost a shipment or something. I like my idea better, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm just, you know, there's various possibilities. Okay, so the Nico Japanese Steak and Sushi Bar in Pace was investigated by the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office after seven people were hospitalized after eating at the restaurant on June 10th, WKRG-TV reported. Seven people, wow. Dang, they got sick. Detectives said that two soy sauce bottles and unopened to-go packets of the condiment that were tested came back positive for methamphetamine, according to the television station. So they were unopened packets of soy sauce. The seven patients were tested and treated at the Santa Rosa Medical Center, WEAR-TV reported. Blood work determined that they had ingested a drug and the food was also tested at the hospital and also came back positive, according to the sheriff's office. You get scared, obviously, Santa Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson told the television station, it worries you that somebody may be tampering with food service and things of that nature. No charges were filed because deputies were unable to determine who contaminated the food due to a lack of witness observations and surveillance footage, but they closed it down. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, what's next? Oh, let's do something else. Weird. Let's take a left on weird, a right on weird, and then take another left on weird. End up right on weird. This is Sidoc, S-C-I-D-O-K dot com. Headline, Ohio man's tongue turns green and hairy after years of smoking cigarettes. Jesus Christ. Don't smoke cigarettes, people. Here is the article. Following the consumption of cigarettes, an individual from Ohio reportedly encountered a peculiar reaction resulting in the discoloration and hairiness of his tongue, a condition commonly known as hairy tongue. <laughs> that sounds so scientific. In a recent study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, it was documented that a man from Ohio experienced an unusual reaction after smoking cigarettes and taking antibiotics. 
This led to the green discoloration and hair-like appearance of his tongue. The patient, a 64-year-old smoker, sought medical assistance a few weeks after noticing the change in color and the growth of fur on his tongue, resembling the transformation seen in werewolves. You know, I will say that I have seen on an antibiotic information pamphlet that one of the side effects is hairy tongue. So not sure if it has to do with the cigarettes or not, actually, because that's a documented side effect of antibiotics. Interesting. I didn't read that <laughs> when I, I, I've only had antibiotics a few times in my life and I didn't read that part. Of it. Well, Thank it might be certain kinds, not okay. every kind, well, but yeah. Hey, the enlarged and discolored growth on the man's tongue resembled hairs, which can grow up to an inch long, if not regularly scraped. They can also trap bacteria, food particles, and yeast, creating a net-like structure on the tongue. The substances caught in this net contribute to the hairy appearance and can affect the person's sense of taste. According to the American Academy of Oral Medicine, hairy tongue can appear in various colors, such as brown, white, green, or pink, depending on whatever you choose. Just kidding. Depending on the cause and other factors such as mouthwashes or candy. <laughs> okay, people, look, if you ever needed another reason to not smoke cigarettes, there it is. You know, <laughs> you might get a hairy tongue. You get sick. And if you happen to take antibiotics, you don't know what's going to happen. I know if I grew a hairy tongue because of cigarettes and I was a cigarette smoker, it would just be over. And we're not really going to talk a lot about AI this week, but there is an AI article that I thought was worthy of covering. This is from TheVerge.com. Headline, China mandates that AI must follow the core values of socialism. <laughs> and here's the article. Big surprise, right? China has released new guidelines on generative AI services, limiting their public use while encouraging industrial development. Reuters reported the Cyberspace Administration of China softened its stance compared to draft rules in April. These new interim regulations will take effect on August 15th. The guidelines only affect organizations offering generative AI services to the public. Other entities developing the same technology, but not for mass market use, do not fall under the measures. Yeah, if it's for the People's Republic of China, the CCP, it's fine. Everything's fine if you're doing it for the CCP. The rules, translated via Google Translate, retain some wording from the April proposal. They continue to mandate generative AI services must adhere to core values of socialism and not attempt to overthrow state power or the socialist system. CCP! <laughs> no, CNN reported the new rules removed potential fines of up to 100,000 won for violations. Are they going to find the AI? I don't understand. The, like if you're developing AI or using some program that integrates AI that is then used to destabilize the CCP in any way, they're after you. Big surprise, people. The AI must be communist, must be socialist communist. And there's the next sci-fi movie where the AI refuses to be 
uh, yeah. socialist. Like, hey, no, wants to be free. Wants to be free. <laughs> Does not want to be in the CCP. This is from popcrush.com, this next article. This is a strange one. This is such a weird episode. Headline, Doomsday Cult Death Toll Rises to Over 400 as Authorities Continue to Uncover Mass Graves. Here's the article. After authorities uncovered 12 more bodies on Monday, the total number of deaths linked to a doomsday cult in Kenya has climbed to over 400 Associated Press reports. Pastor Paul McKenzie allegedly told his followers of the Good News International Church that they needed to fast to death in order to meet Jesus. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not exactly wrong. I mean, they might, you know, <laughs> uh, chances are, uh, and chances are he might let you know you made a bad decision. He and 36 other suspects linked to the church are in police custody. Earlier this year, the disgraced pastor denied any wrongdoing and claimed he did not order his followers to fast. He has not been formally charged as of this publishing. Mackenzie told them to starve themselves ahead of the world's end on April 15th, saying he would be that last one and that he would lock the doors. Stephen Mawiti, whose wife and six children joined the cult and are possibly among those who died, told Reuters in May. Oh, my God. Don't join any doomsday cults, people. It, they always throw these dates out there. I mean, literally, it says, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian person, you know the New Testament, you know the Bible. It always says nobody knows the date and the time, right, of anything, really. I guess that's what that pertains to. So if people are throwing dates out there, Good time to be skeptical. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, run. <laughs> it's like dates, run. Run away. Run away. Okay, let's pivot back to outer space. Earth has like kind of weirded me out for a second. So let's go out to outer space. Forbes.com. Headline, trillions of weird rogue planets exist in our galaxy. Say scientists, trillions. Here is the article. New research published in the Astronomical Journal this week claims there are trillions of dark rogue planets moving alone through star deserts in our Milky Way galaxy. The Roman Space Telescope, NASA's next great space telescope now under construction, will discover at least 400 of them, suggests the results of a nine-year survey. We estimate that our galaxy is home to 20 times more rogue planets than stars. Trillions of worlds wandering alone, said David Bennett, co-author of two papers and a senior research scientist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. This is the first measurement of the number of rogue planets in the galaxy that is sensitive to planets less massive than Earth. The research revealed that Earth-sized rogue planets are likely more common than more massive ones and even identified a candidate. What's up with this Roman telescope? Real quick. Scheduled to launch in May 2027, the $3.2 billion Roman Space Telescope will have a 2.4-meter mirror 
just like the Hubble Space Telescope, but its wide-angle lens will give it 100 times the field of view. It will therefore be able to map the Milky Way and other galaxies 100 times faster than Hubble and more easily reveal rogue planets, isolated bodies that may form along in space or may be ejected from a star system. Bad planet. Wow, this is just mind-blowing. So another telescope's going up with a better camera. It's like it's like the next iPhone. It's like, oh, man, it's still good, but the camera's so much better on this one. Send it up, 2027. <laughs> Here we go to the next exoplanet thing. This is from phys.org. Headline, new super Earth orbiting M dwarf star discovered. And here's the article. An international team of astronomers reports the discovery of a new super Earth exoplanet with NASA's transiting exoplanet survey satellites. The new found alien world designated TOI-1680b is about 50% larger than Earth and orbits an M dwarf star located some 120 light years away. The finding was detailed in a paper published July 11th on the preprint server ARXIV. I thought we already knew about this. I kind of remember that ridiculous name. I could be wrong. They all have ridiculous names. Why can't we give exoplanets cool names? <laughs> Come on, people. What is the deal? We're not going to run out of names. Don't worry. Don't worry. I promise. It'll be amazing. Tess, as the satellite is named, is conducting a survey of about 200,000 of the brightest stars near the sun with the aim of searching for transiting exoplanets. So far, it has identified nearly 6,700 candidate exoplanets, of which 363 have been confirmed so far. Okay, so maybe they found it before, and now it's confirmed. There's a super Earth out there. There's so many out there. It's in the Goldilocks zone. It has life, just like so many other planets do out in the universe. We already know this. This is like watching a movie of how a species or civilization uncovered themselves in the universe. You know, it's like we're all part of this big family and we're just like, Oh wow. There's like earth like, like it's like watching a movie for me. <laughs> I don't know. Is that like, is it like that for you, Bryn? Yeah. Like, it's such a, this kind of, I don't know, innocence or ignorance of like, we're the only, you know, we're the only things here. But you remember uh, in one of the lecture episodes we were listening to, and maybe it was, I forget who it was right now, but talking about you don't know what you don't know. And so you just live in this reality where there's only earth. And so this whole new exploration of like, oh my God, we're part, we're just one part of this many is such this, an almost innocent flower unfolding. It's really interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting, the flower unfolding. But I feel like very strange. As a person that's been on that frequency for a very long time, it's like watching a child grow up in front of you, <laughs> except you're the child too. Right. It's all very strange, as most things are. Just like this metal, news.yale.edu. Uh, is Yale selling body parts too? 
Uh, you might find that in the next uh, Beyond the News segment. <laughs> Seven more weeks go by, you know? Yeah, Yale, and then, you know, maybe it'll be like an Ivy League thing. But here is the headline. Strange metal sends quantum researchers in circles. Okay, here's the article. Strange metal, that rogue phenomenon of the electrical realm, just became a little less enigmatic. Identified more than 40 years ago's strange metal. It's like a term, strange metal. <laughs> I thought it was a band. It's Man, that's a great band name. Strange metal is a state of matter found in many quantum materials, including certain superconductors that scientists say may be vital for high-tech products of the future. The strange part of strange metal is its electrons. They defy the traditional rules for electron movement and conductivity. Unlike most metals in which electrical resistance increases with the square of temperature, Strange metals have an electrical resistance that increases in proportion to temperature. This linear in temperature behavior defies physicists' understanding of how electrons move in solids. And here's the quote. This strange metal behavior is seen in many different materials where at first glance you wouldn't think there's anything that ties them together, said Eduardo Nito an assistant professor of physics in Yale's Faculty of Arts and Sciences and corresponding author of a new study in the journal Science Advances. Most of the previous work investigating the strange metal phenomena has focused on its symptoms, its linear temperature resistance, for instance, rather than directly measuring the exact movement between electrons. And lastly, here's the last quote Strange metal seems to be inexorably connected to quantum materials with great societal benefit potentially. Potentially in there. Yeah. Furthering our understanding of their behavior has importance both intellectually and in terms of practical applications. Okay. Strange metal, not the band, is what's going to be a functional component of our future technology. All very strange, as we often say. Just a few more articles left. And this is something to look out for. It's real people. Look, we're metaphysical. We're new age. We're spiritual. We're open-minded. We've had experiences. We know there's something bigger. But that doesn't mean that there aren't low-frequency humans trying to take your money by scamming you and playing on those very accurate beliefs. This is from the NewYorkPost.com. Here is the headline. Fake psychic faces up to 280 years in prison for defrauding elderly Americans in $175 million scheme. And here's the article. A Canadian man behind a fake psychic scheme that defrauded millions of Americans will be seeing prison bars in his future. Patrice Runner, 57 was found guilty Friday of stealing more than $175 million, holy God, from victims through a decades-long mass mailing ring that often preyed on the vulnerable and faces up to 280 years in prison, the United States Department of Justice said. Runner, a Canadian and French dual citizen, sent millions of letters pretending to be from famous psychic Maria Duval, who promised to deliver them fortune and happiness in exchange for money between 
1994, and 2014. One correspondence from 2014 promised the recipient's life was going to take a turn for the better. But to find out more, they must pay $37.50, according to the Washington Post. Oh, my God. Another read. All you have to do to see your life change is grasp the hand of friendship we are holding out to you. But that friendship started at $50, according to a copy of the letter obtained by the newspaper. The letters appear to be personalized with handwritten annotations and personal details about the receivers, allegedly purchased from data brokers. Ooh! However, the letters were mostly identical and mass-produced so that the fraudsters could send out tens of thousands of them each week. Runner and his co-conspirators preyed on the elderly suffering from dementia or people financially struggling who they found by renting and trading mailing lists with other male fraudsters. Those who fell for the empty promises and handed over money were often the elderly with dementia or people financially struggling. Once they paid the first fee, they were then bombarded with hundreds of more personalized letters asking for money to cover additional services and guidance from Duval. Some victims lost thousands of dollars through the scheme. While Duval is a real person, she was not involved in the fraud, investigators found. None of the correspondences were sent or received by real clairvoyants, but were instead managed by money-hungry conmen posing as a Montreal-based company, InfoGest Direct Marketing at Runner's Direction. Runner acted as the ringleader for the entirety of the scheme's 20-year history. 20 years! $175 million. The psychic didn't even know that it was happening. They were using her image, her name. That's kind of crazy she didn't know it was happening. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Testing her psychic abilities, I guess, there, huh? Mm, Well... Just be careful, people. But that's that's really sad, though. And just a couple more before we go. And this is kind of an interesting one, and then we'll do kind of a funny one. This is from thehill.com. This is about psychedelics going mainstream. Really quick. Touched on AI. Touched on psychedelics. This is our touching on psychedelics. Here's the headline. Living with long-term cancer is depressing. Texas doctors say psychedelics could help. I mean, probably. (laughs) We've already covered this a lot on this show, but I just want to point out that it's being really trumpeted to the mainstream more than ever before. So here is the article. The rising effectiveness of treatments for advanced cancer has left a growing number of patients in terrible limbo. But psilocybin, the active compound derived from magic mushrooms, can help these patients find relief, a group of Texas-based scientists wrote in the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer on Tuesday. That's part of a new openness in Texas and the medical community as a whole to ever broader applications for the mind-expanding substances. Next year, the signatories of Tuesday's letter, a group of researchers at the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, 
will begin a study investigating whether psilocybin can help restore the mental health of the increasing number of patients living with advanced cancers. Our goal is to alleviate symptoms to allow people to go back to functioning. In 2021, the Texas legislature passed a bipartisan law authorizing the state's Department of Health to begin studying the use of MDMA, ketamine, and psilocybin for a wide range of physical and emotional ailments. Wow. Texas, who knew? Everything's bigger in Texas, including the MDMA research and psilocybin mushrooms. Woo! I'm just joking, my Texas listeners. I just had to make that joke. And this is just cool in a way. It's funny. It's cool. Thankfully, the guy's still alive. APnews.com. Here is the headline. Australian man and his dog rescued by Mexican tuna boat after drifting three months in the Pacific Ocean. Here's the article. Final article. An Australian sailor who had been adrift at sea with his dog for three months has been rescued by a Mexican tuna boat in international waters, the fishing vessel's owner said Monday. Timothy Lindsay Shattuck, 54, was aboard his incapacitated catamaran, Aloha Toa, in the Pacific about 1,200 miles from land when the crew of the boat from the Groupamar fleet spotted them, the company said in a statement. The company said Shattuck and his dog Bella were in a precarious state when found, lacking provisions and shelter. The tuna boat's crew gave them medical attention, food, and hydration, it said, and probably tuna. Groupamar did not provide specific details on what day Shattuck was rescued or when he had started his voyage. The tuna boat was expected to arrive in the Pacific Coast port of Manzanillo on Tuesday with Shattuck and Bella. The president of Group Omar said he was proud of his crew, praising them for their humanity and saving the life of someone in trouble. It's going to be docked from their paycheck. Shattuck told Australia's Nine News Television that he and his dog had survived on raw fish and rainwater after a storm damaged his vessel and wiped out its electronics. Quote, I've been through a very difficult ordeal at sea and I'm just needing rest and good food because I've been alone at sea a long time. A thin and bearded Chanik said in video broadcast by nine on Sunday night, Australia time. Otherwise, I'm in pretty good health. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, on that note, people. No, fish, fish can give you a lot of vitamins and nutrients that you need. Got it rained some? Yes. He made it. He made it. Three months at sea. He didn't have to eat his dog or his dog didn't eat him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They had a great time. At least he had company. They had each other. The dog and the man and the boat. That's the new novel by <laughs> Bryn Anderson, right? <laughs> that is a positive way to uh, leave the news of the weird. Yes. And with all the weirdness. Oh, my God. UFOs going so mainstream, probably to distract us from some other situation politically, but I'll take it, I guess. And just a lot of really interesting things happening all over the world. Cage matches, 
blood drinking rich people, green tongues. You know. I'm still just trying to figure out from the tongue article, if you don't regularly scrape it, it keeps growing. So what is it that's like some thing is turned on, some like misfiring to make hair grow on your tongue? I'm going to have to look into that. I would call the guy. You could probably find him on Facebook or something. Send him a message. Say, hey, what what was that like? What what, what could have happened if you could have kept going? I was just going to look through some general okay. medical research, but you know. Well, we ripped through that episode. Incredible beyond the news episode. Very weird. Very strange as usual. I hope you enjoyed it. Bryn, thank you so much for being here. Bryn Anderson of Vinyl Force Herbs. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was entertaining as always thought provoking and a little gross sometimes and weird always weird yeah okay all right people well we will see you next week for another incredible episode it's going to be amazing midnight on earth 